smell of sweet cologne And words of love forever and a day We had it all We had the best of times We had a life That dreams are made of At the station she boards a train Wet with tears and rain And a father holds a mother's empty heart All the things you need to know She whispers as she goes a flower in his hand How I've watched you bloom and fade At all the beauty you create I'll take with me that pleasure as we part We had it all We had the best of times We had a life That dreams are made of We had it all We had the best of times We had a life That dreams are made of We had it all We had the best of times We had a life That dreams are made Ah, uh, yes, folks, you're very welcome to Keologus Crack. It's Ken here, Mike's side, and I have my old pal, Mark, on the line as well, ready to take you through a couple of hours of a bit of Keologus Crack, and uh, hope that she will enjoy the music. We kicked off the program there with the... Uh, that last track there was the unmistakable sound, of course, of Ronnie Drew. And uh, we had it all. And he was in uh, partnership there with a fellow called Mike Hanrahan. And the uh, female voice on that was the lovely sound of Eleanor Shanley. And before that, a man that's coming up on the show, Brendan Quinn, with a song called Angeline. I believe that was a number one hit for Brendan. And hopefully he'll chat to us about that. And we also had a bit of trad to kick off the show. Buttons and bows, a couple of Sligo musicians, the McManus brothers, kicked us off with a couple of jigs there. The Brosna jig and the Hugh Doherty's. Mark, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, buddy. I couldn't hear you there for a second, but are we live now? We're good to go? Oh, we're good to go, yes, absolutely, yep. We're, uh, we are live and kicking here, as they say. Brilliant, brilliant. How was the week, pal? All right? Very good. Yeah, no complaints at all. Nice and easy. Good weather all around. So uh, made sure that we were outdoors, of course. We're still, still, you know, surviving this COVID thing. And yourself? Yeah, not a bad week now at all. Um, did a quite a bit of hibernating uh, this week, I have to say. It was a bit of a sluggish, a sluggish week, Kenny. 
But, um, but um, hey, listen, yeah, I have a, a, a big, big afternoon planned, though. I am moving, moving my youngest daughter down to university later today. She's heading off to Western University there down in London, Ontario. So I got the truck packed. I got all of her stuff ready to go. And it'll be a happy but a sad day, Kenny. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things, isn't it, Mark? First of all, congratulations uh, to Sophia. The baby is moving out. You're you're an empty nester now. I am indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I, 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 rumor has it that Western University has a reputation as being the party university, but I think I think I think that's a bit. I think that's wrong, right? That wouldn't be the case. Well, my wife went there, Mark. So no, I I, I don't think that's where she learned those habits. Oh Lord, I rest my case. <laughs> All right, All right, very good, very good. Very good. Very good. Yeah, so yeah, that's so that's, uh, that's, that's that's what's going, going on, on there. Come here, a big game. It was a big week of sports, sports wasn't it? I mean, there was some some, some fairly heavy duty rugby, rugby games there yesterday. yesterday. I saw the I saw first, first half, half of the um, uh, the Leinster Munster game. It was a bit of a snoozer, or more of a, I suppose, a tactical a tactical event. But anyway, Leinster came out came out the victors. You watched all of that one, did you? I did. I sat through it. I was, um, you know, it had the promise of being such a great game and um, it didn't turn out to be that way. I, I would agree with you. It was very tactical. I, I think even afterwards, Leo Cullen was saying it was all about the win. They certainly got that. Far too many mistakes by Munster and uh, just fairly clinical defending by, by Leinster. The blue wall was up and... Uh, Poor old JJ, He's the, uh, he was awarded the golden boot there for the Pro 14, but unfortunately it was not golden yesterday. It was kind of a more of a bronze uh, look to it. He missed a couple uh, that he should have got, and that's, uh, that's really unfortunate for, for Munster. But good for your Leinster lads, and they'll be in the final. And this yeah, afternoon yeah. At, uh, at half two, we will have Ulster and Edinburgh. Now, Ulster are heading into this certainly as the underdogs, but... Uh, you know, they'll have the bit between the teeth and they'll be out to prove something, uh, I think, today. Absolutely, absolutely. And that, that should be a, a decent old belter, all right. I won't get to, I won't get to see that one, unfortunately. But, um, I'll keep you updated. I'll keep you updated. I'm sure you will. You're great at the old, uh, great at the old updates. And uh, the boys in green, uh, the boys in green uh, got a, a draw in Bulgaria this week with a last-minute Shane Duffy header. And uh, I watched a little bit of that one, um, mostly uh, the highlights though afterwards. They looked like they were the better team, um, our lads. Uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the old guard missing from the team. Uh, Shane Long came on as a sub. No Seamus Coleman. So uh, there seems to be a bit of a change going on. And uh, I know our pal Paul Smith talked a little bit about the fact that they were giving some of these younger lads uh, a go, but they, they stepped up. They were. They were quite, they were quite good. I looked a little bit dodgy at the back at times, but I, I thought that we were, I thought we were the better team anyway. Good stuff. Yeah, I didn't catch any of that game at all, Mark, um, and uh, I didn't catch any of the Northern Ireland game. And they were uh, again, they came out with a draw, one-one again with a, a late header uh, to give them the uh, the draw last night against uh, Romania. So. Well, let's hope for uh, better things against Finland. We have them at home, I guess, uh, tomorrow, right? We do indeed. indeed. Yeah, yeah, that should that be, should uh, be uh, that, that should that be a good test, test for us as well, as right? right? Yeah, it should indeed, definitely. I wonder uh, will your man uh, Timo uh, be playing for for them tomorrow? I don't know if he's uh, fit or not. Oh, good, good question. That's right. That's right. We have to we have to see if, uh, if we have to see if if uh, if he's as good as they all say he is. 
Hey, Ken, uh, getting a, a little bit of feedback here from some of our listeners that um, that there's a, a heavy echo coming from my side when I talk. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that uh, we'll have a um, we'll have a, um, uh, we might have a bit of a technical issue going on here. So, okay, Mark, I'll sort that out, and uh, why don't we play a little track here then, I, I, and we'll come back and uh, and chat. Here's uh, the Dublin City Ramblers with uh, the Punch and Judy Man. Town strives the east wind like a dragon, strewing leaves all ragged brown. Winter planting icicles along the barren shore. But the punch and Judy man is gone forever. Mr. Punch and Judy Man, please bring back my childhood land of summer. In the meadow by the river, where the oak and willow stands, silver mist comes creeping down to lullaby our sleeping land. Swallows fly all morn But the punch and Judy man Is gone forever Mr. Punch and Judy man Please bring back my childhood land of summer Of machines and penny arcades Jingle jangle on the pier Gone the sound of children laughing Fading with the flying year Through the little town He wanders in the misty morning haze But the pond and Judy Man is gone forever. Mr. Punch and Judy Man, please bring back my childhood land of summer. Punchinello, Punchinello, where have you and Judy gone? Gone to join the swelling ranks of things that they look back upon. Memories can conjure up those dreams of yesterday. But the punch and Judy man is gone forever. Mr. Punch and Judy Man, please bring back my child the land of summer. Mr. Punch and Judy Man, please 
Mr. Punch and Judy Man Please bring back my childhood land All right, there you go. Hopefully we've corrected the old sound there, Marco. Are you, uh, give me a bit of a speak there. Give me an old speak. Will I sing an old song or something like that? Ah, you're um, grand. You're grand. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Let's there you see go. If, uh, let's see if the listener complaints go down here. I hear Rollers even. What do you have to complain about over at Sligo? Ah, sure, I don't know. But I tell you, when technology is bugging him, then it must be uh, must be a serious issue. Yeah, I was going to say he he didn't last long in that WhatsApp group there. If it was making too much, he was doing too much pinging for him, so he 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 exited stage left. Yeah, it was uh, pinging him uh, late at night when he was trying to get the old beauty sleep, and he needs a lot of it, you know. So uh, <laughs> it didn't uh, didn't suit him, so he had to leave that. Yeah. Anyway, there you go, the punch and Judy man. I tell you, I know what I wanted to punch there a second ago, but uh, there there it is. So. Yeah. Anyway, we were chatting there. Your baby is leaving for university, so that's uh, that's 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 good for Sophia. My uh, my lad, who's um, he's three weeks younger than Sophia. They're both late late in the year, November babies, and so they're going off to school a wee bit earlier, aren't they? But he's he's at home. It's all online for uh, for his uh, for Laurier. So he won't be moving right. up. I, I, it's one less I have to move out of the house, but still, it's one more in the house. So I just yeah. keep fading them, you know. Well, the, the dodgiest one of them all is still to come for you there now, that uh, that 15-year-old that's six foot four or whatever he is already. Ah, uh, yeah, the little blackguard, uh, that fella. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Oh, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Hey, listen, we have a busy show, folks. Um, we got uh, we got a few guests. We've got uh, Ethna Heffernan is going to be calling us here uh, at the bottom of the hour for a little chat on... Um, uh, the the coronavirus in the city here. Ethel's been doing great work with the community, the GEA, ICANN, um, the Benevolent Society. Everybody has just jumped on board on this. And I think we've got some bright news coming out of that where people are getting back to work and maybe people not needing as much assistance as before. So that would be good. But Ethel will give us an update on that. And um, we have Sinead McNulty and... Uh, the uh, Stuhor, Arj Stuhor of the Camogie Association. She'll be with us at 11 o'clock. And then at the bottom of the hour, we'll have Brendan Quinn joining us. Uh, I think Brendan is living in Donegal now, but he's originally um, from Maharafelt in Derry. And uh, I had put out on our Instagram yesterday by mistake that he was from Tyrone. So uh, shame on me there. I, I made a boo-boo there, Mark. Well, those counties won't be happy, that's for sure. Well, sure, it's given, it's given Tyrone a lot of credit, and then Derry, I, I fixed it today, <laughs> so it'll all be good. <laughs> very good, very good. And um, hey, uh, uh, congratulations to Rory McElroy, and uh, they, had, he, they had their first child himself, and I uh, can't remember his wife's name now, um, but they had their first baby uh, last Monday, I believe, uh, a little girl, and they named the little baby Poppy Kenny. What do you make of that, Poppy? Interesting name. That's an interesting I, name, isn't it? It is indeed. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know what's the story behind that. Uh, I've known a poppy in my life. Good friends of my parents. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, Poppy Hunt. But I don't know uh, if that was a nickname or if that was her birth name. I have no clue. That's all I ever knew her by. So 
Well, I think your dad will be sending you a message to fill you in on that now fairly soon now that you've got that out. Oh, but, probably. Um, it doesn't seem like it's uh, it's phased him at all. He shot a 64 yesterday, uh, so he's closed the gap on uh, significantly on the leader, uh, Dustin Johnson. So, um, of course, they all started with... Uh, the leader started with a with a with a few extra strokes, but they've kind of uh, they've kind of pulled them back into the field now. So it should be an interesting weekend as the I guess the FedEx Cup uh, finishes this week, and then next week it's the uh, I believe it's the U.S. Open, right, Kenny? Uh, yeah, you're right, Mark. It is indeed. So um, we're going to be uh, we'll have all the the lads back for that. Uh, Shane Lowry, I'm sure, will be at that one. Uh, I don't know if Harrington. I didn't I haven't seen if he's going to participate in it or not. But uh, yeah. we'll, we'll have to see. I doubt it now. He seems to be taking the uh, COVID very seriously. And I think with the spike that's just happened again in Ireland, uh, it's highly unlikely. So um, it would be interesting to see what position he takes. Of course, right now, he should really be have been preparing for the uh, the Ryder Cup, which unfortunately got, got pushed as well. So um, I'm sure that's keeping him very busy as well as he continues to prepare for that. Indeed. Indeed, Mark. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, but it will, you know, this whole golf thing here, it, it is a strange one they introduced last year with the with the couple of shots, you know, extra shots for the leaders coming into this. So fair play. I mean, at the start of it, you'd be thinking, gosh, fellas have no chance. And yet you go out and, and fire a good round and you're you're right back at it, right? So fair play mm-hmm. to Rory. Maybe there, there's a weight lifted off and we'll see how he performs now through the weekend. I'm assuming that this thing finishes on Monday, the Labor Day uh, weekend, of yes. course, is here. So. Yeah, it's of course a holiday down south as well and uh, of course, happy Labor Day long weekend to all of our listeners and I uh, hope you're doing something fun and exciting. Uh, this uh, often signals the end of the uh, of the summer, Ken, but um, y- you can't tell to look outside. So it's a it's a beautiful day out there, so hopefully people can get out and enjoy a little bit of the sunshine. At least here in Toronto, our show now that we're on Mixler, of course, is far more uh, is is global, right, Kenny? So global, we're, we're now global celebrities instead of just local celebrities. You're right, Mark. You're right. A little bit of League of Ireland uh, action yesterday. A uh, big result for Waterford. They beat St. Patrick's Athletic three nil, and it moves them up into fourth place, just ahead of Sligo Rovers. Even though they uh, Sligo Rovers now have a game in hand, they play Finn Harps on Monday, uh, so that's a big game. Sligo Rovers actually, if they win that, could jump up into third place. But there's a cracking game going on right now, a big Dublin derby between first place Shamrock Rovers and second place Bowes. And uh, Shamrock Rovers scored very early in that game in about the third minute, and they're still leading it in the 68th, one nil. Uh, later today, Shelburne and Cork will play. So. Um, yeah, bit of crack there. And something else that, that caught my eye uh, this week, Mark, uh, happened actually last night. Uh, a young fella, here's a name now to be uh, to be putting in the back of your mind, folks, for, for the future. Uh, a young fella by the name of Kevin Zeffi. Uh, he's 15 years of age. And last night he played in um, in the League of Ireland in, in the second division there. Um, in Division One, I guess what it is now, because we got the Premier Division, which which we've just talked about. Fifteen years of age, scored his first League of Ireland goal in a loss to Longford Town. They lost two one, and that's he plays for Shamrock Rovers too. They have a, a second team wow. in that, but he's only fifteen. Imagine. I know you and I weren't doing anything like that when we were fifteen. <laughs> no, no, we weren't. 
certainly not making headlines like that. that that's for sure. That's absolutely incredible. 15 is, uh, I don't know now, it's um, I, as impressive as it is, it scares me a little bit that that they would put a 15-year-old out with men. That's uh, that, That's heavy, Kenny. That is heavy. Yeah, fair play to him, though, isn't it? Great, great, though, at the same time. So, all right, well, look at we better play a little bit of music here, and uh, we'll come back. I'm sure Etna will be on the line, and um, we'll have a we'll have an old song here. This is, uh, we talked about Brendan, that he's living up there in Donegal. Well, here's a, a Donegal man, very, very well known around the world, of course, Daniel O'Donnell, with a, a young lady down your way, Mark, Trudy Lawler. She's a leash woman, isn't she? She is indeed. Absolutely. And, uh, there's a good old track here called I'm Getting Over You. Well, I'd rather be fishing Sitting home wishing that you'd come back to me And I'd rather be drinking Than sitting home thinking about how things used to be Well, I'm a little bit lonely, but baby, it's only a phase that I'm going through. I think I'll go out dancing and maybe romancing, cause I'm getting over you. Oh, I'm getting over you, yeah, baby, and when I do, I may call you sometime to see if you're fine, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I'm getting over you. Just wait and see I'm getting over you But you'll never get over me Well, I just got your letter And that was pretty clever Saying you'll get over me Because I Call you sometime Bring a bottle of wine If that's okay with you Yeah, I'm getting over you No, you won't Just wait and see Yeah, we'll see I'm, I'm getting over you But you'll never get over me Yeah, I'm getting over you But you'll never get over me Yeah, nice little combo there between Daniel O'Donnell and Donegal and Trudy Lawler from Leashmark doing yeah. the county proud, I'll tell you. She uh, she sings a song, I guess, uh, it's called Lovely Leash. I had it lined up last week. I've actually had it lined up for, for the last seven weeks, Ken, but 
I haven't been able to bring myself to play it. I just think it's a little bit self-serving. But yeah, we're proud of Trudy down there. Lovely leash. Is there, are they stealing that from Lovely Leitrim? Is that what the crack is there? <laughs> no, it doesn't sound anything like that. But uh, but she's very talented. But I'll tell you, talking about talent, um, I went to school in a place called Balnekill, and I'd say most of the students outside of uh, where where I come from, Abbey Leaks, actually came in from Castle Comer to go to school in my school. And uh, the lady on the line here is from Castle Comer, honorary uh, consul of Ireland, uh, Ethna Heffernan. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Mark. And let me tell you, we're only about two miles from Leash in Kilkenny. So it's one of our favorite counties outside yeah. of Kilkenny, of course. You didn't slide over, Ethna. You were well educated. You didn't slide over to Leash to get educated, right? <laughs> no, but we bought all our flowers in Abbey Leaks. Oh, ah, stop. Yeah, yeah, where, beautiful florist there. Where did you go to school, actually, Ethna? Living in Castlecomer, did you go into Kilkenny? No, I went to the presentation company in Castlecomer, and then I went to Dublin. I went to Sign Hill to the Dominicans in Black Rock. Oh, you did? Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah, very yeah. Good. Yeah, no, never Balnekill. I don't think they took any girls there, did they, Mark? Oh no, they, well, not until um, not until uh, later on. Um, ah. but, but no, it was run by the Salesians, and it was a, a boys' school, and boys school, it was a yeah. boarding school as well, of course. Yeah, so about fifty percent of the students there were boarders. So yeah, right, yeah, yeah. No, Balnekill is only out the road for sure. Absolutely, no, and I knew an awful lot of uh, fellas from Castlecomer growing up. So we, uh, we, we, you know, uh, usually on the on the on the, the the uh, Monday after the All Ireland, it was pretty. Uh, <laughs> try and avoid those lads as much as possible, right? Put your head down and walk past them. Well, let's hope we've something to celebrate about this year again. Uh, I don't think it'll be long. I don't. <laughs> you, you never really have long to wait uh, living in Kilkenny for uh, another All Ireland. So uh, we can never get enough, Mark. <laughs> we just want one. That's all. <laughs> well, good luck. You have a good trainer these days. Oh, we do. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's only a matter. Of, it's only a matter of time. In What's what? going on in your world, Ethna? Well, it's a busy world. Um, Ken knows lots about it because he's been stellar yeah. through all of our work in the last six months. Um, first of all, a shout out to the organisations, the Irish organisations. First of all, from from Durham to Mississauga and every Irish organisation in between, all came on board when the uh, COVID outbreak started. And, you know, since then, we've been helping people either sending out uh, greeting cards to the seniors or getting extra airtime like you guys so beautifully did. And um, also with our food voucher program. So Ken is our our money man. He's been uh, head of the finance committee and he's done us proud. Ken, I have to tell you, we spent over $50,000. So well done and all in a very good cause. I, uh, I'm, I'm throwing a flag on the play there. I, I've seen how this man manages money, Ethna. It's not good. Oh, well, listen, he's been stellar through all of this, Mark. Absolutely stellar. So, listen, you're, you're misjudging him, I promise you. All right, okay, I'll, I'll give him another go. So I'll I had the, uh, the the abacus didn't go up to 50,000 for me, Ethna. I was, <laughs> I was running into a bit of trouble there. I'm glad you, you filled me in there on that one. <laughs> well, as you know, we got about $27,000 as a grant from the Irish government for all these projects. And then the Irish community kicked in uh, with just an amazing amount of money. Uh, we're running a little bit short, but, you know, we're hoping because we started off with one or two applicants, then we got up to 111 applicants for food vouchers. 
Uh, finally, we're, we're on the downward trend. And right now, I think we've got 40 active people that we're sending out about. These are mostly the young, the young Irish kids who are here at the moment. Some of them, unfortunately, undocumented. So really, they have no source of income at all uh, once they lost their jobs. But good to know that many of them are definitely uh, back working full time and have been so appreciative of what the Irish community has done for them during this time. Yeah, it's been it's been great to see the uh, the entire community come together, Ethna, and, and led by yourself. Um, it, it's been phenomenal response. And you know, if there's uh, thankfully we haven't had to do a, a drive yet, but uh, you know, if there is a need or if someone wants to uh, to donate, um, what's the story there? Are we holding off, Ethna? We are for the moment. Now we did get some uh, we did get some donations in over the last couple of uh, weeks. But uh, for the moment, uh, we've been very blessed with Barry Collum at President's Choice, who's given us many, many um, extra food vouchers. Three times he's kicked in with a number for us, and that's kept us going. And it's kind of like, you know, the miracle of the loaves and fishes. It keeps happening. So, so far, we're hanging in there. We're waiting to see. Let's hope there isn't a second wave. Uh, and if this continues to decline, then we should be good. But I'm a, have a feeling we may have to reach out to people, uh, Ken, in the um, in the future. But let's hope. You know, we don't know. The only thing we can keep alive right now is hoping that this is going to get better. We've lost, unfortunately, a few of our kids. Um, I drove one to the airport on Wednesday, and I know there are three or four more leaving in November. And one I hear who's thinking about going back, going back to Ireland. Uh, they just can't get work. Uh, so, you know, there are lots of lovely stories about these kids and what they've been doing, um, but uh, sad to see them having to go home. Yeah, and I mean, we should certainly mention that certainly if people um, know of anybody that's that's struggling to, to please get in touch, and you can get in touch with the GEA or ICANN or the Benevolent Society. Um, and and if people are struggling, uh, there's, there is good resources out there. ICANN do a phenomenal job with the mental health and of course we have solace house as well so there's lots uh lots going on isn't there Ethan, in the background there's a huge amount of support out there and absolutely it's amazing I, mean, I think we live in one of the best irish communities in the world outside of ireland so kudos to everybody but you're right um i can solace house from the mental health aspect and also from information um, and really the the community at large has been amazing um, you know, I've, I've sent out word about some kids looking for jobs and people have responded. And I think a couple of people have gotten jobs in the construction industry. There's one young man that I just want to give a shout out to because he told me I could actually talk a little bit about him. And he's related, Mark, you'll be impressed. His family is related to the great Christy Ring. And obviously he hails from Cork. Uh, and he, his mum sent him a couple of hurling sticks a couple of weeks ago. She plays camogie. And um, he was out in the park, you know, fooling around with the sticks and the slither. And some people gathered around watching him. So he was telling them all about the game. So I mentioned to him about, you know, when the Irish came and they were hurling on the ice. And that was kind of the inspiration for hockey. And quite honestly, I don't think he still believes me, but I told him to Google it. Um, also told him about Ringy's Corner at the Galway Arms. So I think he'll be heading out to see Della and checking out Ringy's Corner where... There's a picture of Christy Ring, some of those avid Cork guys hung a couple of years ago, and it's now known as Ringy's Corner. But uh, Jack is thinking about going west uh, 
um, to kind of to the ski areas to, looking for work. And I'm not sure that's a great idea. So he's at a GAA man. Any of you know of anybody who's looking for a young man who sounds very personable and lovely. And he's just one of many. So, you know, if you are in the know of people who are looking for young Irish kids in any, we have a couple who are looking for nanny jobs. So that should be something that should be easy to get these days with people going back to work. Um, please let us know because we'd love to help them and we'd love to keep them here. They are, after all, what keeps our community alive. And I know Sean Hart will agree with me. It's certainly been a huge boost for the GAA, these young kids over the last number of years. So um, if you know of anything, please let us know. Yeah, and you can do that, Ethan. I suppose any of the, um, even in, including our own website, we've we've all all the websites have got uh, contact information. Do you want to just maybe hand out your your phone bill? Must be massive, Michael. Can't be too pleased with the with the bills coming. You're talking to everybody in the city these last six months, so uh, not at all. It's it's actually wonderful. I'm very happy for anybody to give me a call, four one six five six six four five nine seven. But also, I do want to give a shout out, uh, Ken, to uh, our volunteers on the um, on the voucher program. I mean. Sh- Jane O'Neill, who's done a massive job setting up our spreadsheet and continues to update it for us all the time. Uh, Diane Flanagan and Tracy Ling, who have been just amazing every week. They're the the unsung heroes. They send out the vouchers, they communicate with people, and uh, without them, we we wouldn't have been able to do this, Ken. Uh, Brilliant. Great. You've you've put together a great team, so well done. Um, We we, uh, Last week... um, I I spoke to uh, Tom Kenny, who we we've since lost, and and Ethna yes. had given me a call after the program, and we had played uh, another request for Tom, and you know, folks, for me anyway, um, the week prior, Tom had given me a call, and we had a great long chat, and I said to him I'd give him a call the next week, and I did call him on the Friday, but I could easily have put that off to the following week, and unfortunately, Tom passed away on Saturday morning. Um, hopefully he went out hearing the song he had requested, but, uh, if not, he, I'm sure he heard it in spirit, but Ethna, you were, you were good enough to give me a ring after the program and, and let me know. And, and it was the first funeral that, uh, that I've watched now, uh, online, um, because of, of COVID, obviously it was a, it was a private function and I think you were uh, doing the same thing, Ethna, this week. I was indeed, uh, Ken, I watched, it was a beautiful ceremony, and I've watched a number of these, unfortunately. Michael's brother died during this time, so it's it's lovely, you feel part of it to be there, but it's not the same as actually being there in person. But uh, Tom will be greatly missed. He was just a lovely, lovely gentleman, and, uh, you know, our condolences to his family and his friends and Joanne. He He just was just a lovely man, so it was lovely that you did get a chance to to chat with him um, last last Friday, Ken. Good for you. Well, he he sounded uh, he sounded so good, but you know, not been there and not seen him. You just don't know what's what's keeping him going. But he was fighting right to the end. He said, but one of the things he did tell me that himself and his kids were chatting about, as we know, last week um, the United States had a had Storm Laura come up, and I know we were feeling the effects of of it a little bit. And uh, Tom's wife, who had passed before him, was named Laura. And himself and, his, and the kids were sitting around the bed saying that she's coming to get me. So oh, isn't, isn't it just uh, amazing, you know? He he kind Absolutely. of felt it was his time, right? The, the coincidences or convergences or whatever it really was. Yeah, yeah. Just, just anyway, he will be, he'll be greatly missed. He will indeed. Um, 
Absolutely. So can you have a new listener today? Oh, wonderful. Uh, I did. I just two listeners, maybe, or maybe even more. I just send the link to Anne Quinn and your Sligo listeners will know the Quinn family. So she and Lisa are listening. So I just wanted to give them a shout out as well. And also wanted to say to you, I discovered brogies this week. <laughs> Isn't it? it's take, that's taken you a long time, for goodness sakes. I swear, huh? <laughs> isn't it? I've been looking for them. I'm aware of them. And finally, I went into Loblaws and asked. And there they were, sitting right in front of me in the one in Deeside. Um, anyway, there were, I've all sorts of recipes to share with you. They're fantastic. And the calorie count is perfect. Uh, so if, if your listeners haven't gotten them, get out there and get them. They are <laughs> Amazing. And he's not paying me for saying this, I promise you. I'll send you the 20 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, uh, a big shout out, yes, to Anne Quinn and Lisa. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, and I hope they're they're doing well. We haven't seen them, but we are looking forward to seeing them when we can in in safe surroundings. So um, thanks for letting us know about that, Ethna. Not at all. And listen, thank you so much for having me on. And let me say before I go, you know, we had the greeting card program and our voucher program, obviously, which has been hugely successful. But the other success story has been the on-air programs. And that's, you know, yourselves, Mark and Ken and Hugo, you're doing a fantastic job for, for us. Without a doubt. And now we have two and a half hours, which is great. I'm still dancing around the kitchen. And, you know, you're keeping us connected and there's a lot of nostalgia, but also you're giving us a lot of hope. And that's exactly what we need during this time. So thank you both very much for that. Uh, thanks, Ethna. We uh, we appreciate it. And we sure look at it. We love doing it. And, and we're, we're keeping the old candle lit for, for Mr. O'Loughlin along the way. And we know he's looking down and watching us all. So, Indeed, we think about him all the time. Absolutely. And for all your listeners, ni narth ka curla So let's all stick together. And we'll see this out. Ethan, you're great for doing it. Thanks a million. We've got a couple of songs coming up here for, for Tom Kenny. And um, one of his nicknames he was telling me was, was Piper. And uh, we've got that with Van Morrison, Piper at the Gate. And a little Brendan Shine and Always Me All. Take care, Ethan. Thanks. Thanks so much. Slow Thanks, Ethan. Well done. Mail. seen the red sun set on Ackles fair shore but this wondrous sight I will never see more the bright lights of Westport glow beckoning bright in the shivering cold of a dark winter's night the fields in their glory are spread out below and above them, Crowpatrick, all white capped with snow. I'll soon have to think of Australia as home, but the truth will be always may hold. Always may hold, always may hold. Long may the memories Soon after think of Australia's home, but the truth will be always may hold. 
The Quinn family invite you to visit downtown Toronto's oasis of Irish hospitality at the Irish Embassy, 49 Young Street at Wellington, and PJ O'Brien's at 39 Colborne, just behind the King Edward Hotel. The Irish Embassy, a landmark of classic architecture, is your downtown destination for drinks, snacks, lunch, or dinner. Call 416-866-8282. And just around the corner, enjoy the local pub atmosphere of PJ O'Brien's, serving the best in pub fare and also your downtown venue for an intimate evening dinner. PJ's has live music every Friday and Saturday night. Call PJ's at 416-815-7562. of the riverbank and the whispering of the reeds Daybreak is not so very far away Chandler's are spellbound In the silence they lingered And rode the boat as the light grew steadily strong And the birds were silent as they listen for the heavenly music And the river played The song The wind in the willows And the piper at the gates of dawn The wind in the willows And the piper At the gates of dawn Some dream happened The cloven hoof piper 
Laying that holy ground Well, it felt the old and wonder Yeah, they all were unafraid For the great God family And the wind And the willows And the piper at the gates of dawn Wind and the willows And the piper at the gates of dawn When the vision vanished Hell, a choir of birds singing You know, heavenly silence Between the trance and the reeds Then they stood upon the lawn And listened to the silence Of the wind in the willow And the piper at the gates of dawn Wind in the willow And the piper at the gates of dawn The wind in the willow And the piper at the gates of dawn It's the wind in the willow And the piper at the gates of dawn One little world And the piper at the gates of dawn One little world And the piper at the gates of dawn Uh, yeah, there you go. Little Van Morrison there. And, uh, of course, Van turned 75 back there in uh, on Monday, the 31st of August. And we'll throw those last two tracks out there. Brendan Shine, Always Mayo, and Van Morrison, Piper at the Gates of Dawn for uh, for Tom Kenny, who we lost uh, this past week. All Maybe, right, Mark. Uh, super song there. And uh, can I tell you that that was also the name of... Um, the first album that Pink Floyd released in 1967 on August the 5th, one month after I was born, Pink Floyd released that album. My Piper oh my. At the Gates of Dawn. Yeah. Just wanted to give you that dreadful piece of trivia there. Did you, I mean, uh, did you pick up that album? Um, I did not actually. No, I, I actually was not a huge Pink Floyd fan. Um, I wasn't a big fan of their music, to be honest with you. Um, but I was, uh, it's the, it's the strangest thing. I was fascinated by them as a band, but wasn't particularly that excited about the music that they produced. But there was just something very uh, interesting about them. And so that's why I I know about that. Um, but yeah, interesting. Um, I, I wouldn't have known the date now. I did have to look that up, but I knew it was uh, the year I was born. Incredible. But um, listen, your story about Tom Kenny and, and uh, Hurricane Laura is is absolutely, I, I think it's brilliant. Um, 
you know, and the and, and the fact that he he was still uh, alert enough, you know, being so close to passing away, that he was still alert enough and had that sense of humor. And I often wonder what it's like to be in in that, not to be morbid, but I often wonder what it's like to be in that situation where you know it's where you know it's all about to end. And um, you know, I, I think it says a lot about the character that we were that 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 Tom was, right? That he would. He'd be able to say stuff like that to you being so close to the end and also being able to share that incredible moment with his children, uh, with his family sitting around him. So our condolences go out to them. Um, he was a he was a great character. And uh, my best memory of him, my, my, indeed my last memory of him, uh, Ken, was actually at the at the chamber Christmas party upstairs. And, you know, out of that four or five hours that you spend at that event, you know, sometimes you get cornered by people. Um, you know that, uh, and then you have to you, you try to kind of work the room. Well, I had no interest in working the room. I must have stayed with him for like four of the five hours at the end of the bar there, just having a great old laugh with him. I thought he was a, I just thought he was a gentleman and, and a lot of fun to be around. He had great uh, stories, and you're right. Um, that would have been probably the last time I saw him uh, live as well. Would have been at that Christmas party. He was always there for that. He loved uh, he loved Ireland and his connection to it, and uh, and he loved tuning in to uh, to us. and And he told me that the kids would say, "Oh well, you're going to start listening to your diddly diddly music now." And uh, so you know, and he, and he he told me a, a funny story the prior week about when he was a young fella. He said he had that that copper red hair, and he had a load of it and a beard and everything else, and he'd get mistaken for for Luke Kelly. And he said on more than one occasion he uh, he got maybe a few free pints <laughs> saying that uh, saying that he was Luke. So uh, yeah, Tom had a great sense of humor. And, and I was back and forth with uh, with Cormac Monaghan this week as well. And Cormac spoke to uh, to Tom on Friday as well. He was telling me and had a long chat. And you know, Tom would talk for Ireland, and and Cormac said that he he you know chatted for ages with him. And even Cormac was kind of apologizing, saying, "Hey, Tom, you know, I'm probably taking up too much of your time." But Tom just wanted to talk and. You know, it's just great that that people did get that chance to to speak to him. We obviously have no idea, and and you, it's one of those things, I suppose, that you kind of wonder about. Do you, do you, would you want to go kind of knowing you're going, or do you want to go quick? And uh, I don't know what the right yeah. answer to that is. None of us do, I suppose. But fair play to him. He he kept the the chin up right to the end, and he was a fighter. Him, and uh, we appreciate knowing him. That's for sure. Very good. Very good. Uh, couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, we've got uh, we've got a, a big interview coming up here. CEO of the Camogie Associate Association, uh, Sinead McNulty, will be joining us here, Mark, very shortly. And yeah. um, I mentioned about uh, about Van's seventy uh, fifth, and I, I've been talking about this for weeks now, and and um, I'm playing Van songs because of the the birthday there on the thirty first of August. And Hot Press did a fantastic thing all through August, and it's happening all through September as well, where 75 different Irish artists are um, doing covers of Van songs, including Uchtaran himself, Michael D., who did a fantastic, uh, a fantastic song, Spoken Word. He was brilliant. And there's been some amazing, amazing uh, tunes. And, and today I'm featuring a few of the different artists, not doing the Van songs, doing their own stuff, but that have participated in this. Um, this next fiddler, uh, he actually played... 
on a song by a guy called Paul Casey. Now, I'll talk a little bit more about Paul later, but I, I came across uh, the fiddler in this band called Damien McGeehan. And uh, here's um, here's a little bit of a fiddle playing here. And a fella called um, Sen Mc, uh, Ilwin on guitar here. And uh, let's have a little listen to these. But he, he does play on a, on a track a little later, which I'll, I'll chat more about. Right there, a little uh, traditional music there, a fella called Damien McGeehan there on um, fiddle and Sen McElwin on guitar. We'll chat a little bit more about them 
a little bit later, but we have a very special guest on the line. Delighted to welcome Sinead McNulty, Ard Stuhor of the Camogie Association, the CEO of the association, to Keologus Crack. Sinead, you're very welcome to the program. How are you keeping? How's your family doing through COVID? Um, thank you very much for, for the opportunity to be here. Um, yeah, it, I'm doing well. Thank God and family have all survived. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're we're enjoying the the lifting of restrictions as the, as they come. And actually, I'm going to a communion this afternoon. Would you believe? <laughs> oh, very good. That's uh, that's is that new a little bit here? I mean, uh, I know we we keep up to date with the uh, with all the Irish stuff, and I know there was a obviously the jokes were flying around after the debacle there in in uh, in Clifton. But uh, how many are allowed at the communion? <sighs> Well, it's it's uh, still small numbers in the church, so um, I was allowed to watch the little one run past the gate in her lovely dress, and uh, we'll we'll meet up for an outdoor barbecue with about uh, ten people this afternoon. Ah, lovely! Very so, good, very good. Well, it's a little something, right? I mean, any of these moments now that we're that we're allowed to have, you you take full advantage, right? We don't realise how lucky we were, I suppose, before all of this. That's for sure. I mean, she was supposed to make her communion in May. And at that time, you know, when we were thinking about sport, there was definitely no communions, but we were looking worried about sport as well at that stage. So it's lovely to be able to hear some coverage of um, competitions on the radio and uh, see a little bit going on around the country as well. So it's, uh, yeah, definitely on, on the way up, but we're, we're not at it. We're not at it. We're not, we're not, we're definitely not. And, and I suppose, Sinead, I mean, you're a little over a year in the job now and you could never have predicted COVID-19. Obviously, none of us could have. But you're coming off perhaps the best year, maybe in 2019, with record attendance and, and viewership and the All-Star Tour and, and that. Like, how <laughs> how are you coping with all of this? <laughs> um. Seatbelt on for the roller coaster ride. <laughs> they didn't tell me that at the start, but uh, yeah, I mean, you just have to, you have to just take it day by day at the minute. Yeah, um, for sure, and, for uh, sure. The, the team are working hard on scenario plans. <laughs> Absolutely. Sinead, how would you, um, how would you kind of characterize the the health of, of Camogie at the moment in Ireland if you were to, uh, to be asked that 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 question, where where would you land on on an answer to that? Well, not notwithstanding COVID nineteen, I mean, as you say, twenty nineteen was an amazing year. We had record attendance. We had we were the highest watched live female sport activity on um, Irish television. We were live streaming across the world for our championship game and for our league game. And our membership was on the up. We were having new clubs, not only in Ireland, but internationally. So we, we were building on a strong start there. We had a full staff team for the first time in a couple of years. So that was also really, really good. Um, I think the strongest thing I can say about COVID is that our membership have stuck with the association. They have um, maintained their engagement and involvement. We have changed how we've done things and moved so much of, of what we do online in terms of providing support to clubs and our volunteers 
across Ireland and internationally. And um, yeah, that, you know, people are people were really enthusiastic about getting back involved. And if I'm to take a reading on the number of emails coming in, you know, people are back on the pitch because the questions you're getting this week compared to six weeks ago are very, very different. And it's, you know, it's, it's really good to see. But I think that the there's still loads of opportunity for us to grow the game and to get more people involved and to just get more people viewing the game as well as playing it. So we've some fantastic initiatives that, that will get more people involved. And um, 2021 is now going to be the year of on-field activity, whereas this year has been very much um, building off the field and working with our volunteers. Sinead, oh, just, sorry, mate. No, I was just going to just take you back a little bit, just to 2019 and, a, and a, such a successful uh, year for you coming into it and the All-Star Tour of the U.S., and and thankfully you made it up to Canada. Uh, I know a good friend of our program, Kerry Mortimer, was instrumental, I suppose, in, in getting you to come up. And you toured Ottawa, Montreal, and, and Toronto, and had coaching sessions. How, what was that like for you and, and the team? Oh, it, it was absolutely magical. I mean, I suppose for for Camogie, it was only our second All Stars tour, um, and we went Liberty Insurance were our sponsors, and. We went to New York City and played our, our two teams from 2019 and 2018 played in Gaelic Park in New York, which was a dream come true for so many people. And we had an action packed couple of days there. And yeah, there was no way we were going to get across the Atlantic without um, getting up to Canada. So, um, you know, Kerry, obviously, as you say, was a instrumental but we we did a lot of work with Angela Stevenson development officer and thanks to Sean Hart and Angela Murray who were helping so much at the time as well um we were there for Camogie Development Week which was amazing we delivered coaching courses in three different cities with a broad range of people you know some who had taken up Camogie for the first time and some who who had played um back home so you, you had um Canadian natives who were uh you know, just drawn to the game by the by the speed, the skill, the the energy um, involved in it. So it was it was an amazing thing to see. We we learned a lot as well. We we got um, I suppose good insights into how Kamogi could take a different approach to develop more of a social side to the game and to target beginners at an adult level, which was something that I suppose traditionally is not how how um, we had done things necessarily in in Ireland. Um, you know, we, we would start with nurseries and clubs and, and work up through. So we've lots to learn from how Canada do things as well. You also met with with Sport Canada and Coaching Canada too, um, I, I believe, Sinead. What were the what were some of the key takeaways from that? We did. Yeah, I, I suppose um, we're unique in in an Irish setting because camogie and hurling are UNESCO recognised heritage sports. So for Camogie, we're a female-only sport. We're one of the last national governing bodies in Ireland to be female-only because our, our golf unions merged earlier this year. Um, so the opportunity to meet with Sport Canada, with Coaching Canada, and to visit you know, a number of the other national governing bodies, we got to chat a little bit about the challenges for women's sport and um, the challenges for being a heritage type sport, which is, you know, bespoke to a particular country and you're trying to grow it internationally. Um, 
the challenges for being a sport that isn't played at the Olympics currently, because a lot of international units would only recognize sports bodies when they are Olympic sports. And that's changing, but it, it is um, it's definitely a challenge. So um, I suppose in, in Ireland, we had our, our women in sports strategy launch last year. So when we're talking to Sport Canada, the things we talked about were opportunities to work together, to learn from each other um, when we were out um, in the Sport HQ, um, we got to talk about facilities as well. A challenge for us um, in Camogie and in Gaelic Games generally in Canada is that the Gaelic Games pitch is twice the size of a soccer pitch or a rugby pitch. So we need bespoke facilities. So I suppose our, our, our call out was if anybody in Canada was developing new facilities and they were thinking of building two soccer pitches side by side, could they make it just a little bit longer to make sure they could accommodate a Gaelic Games um, competition as well? So those kind of strategic um, long-term conversations around facilities, around coach development, around developing recreational women's sports as well as competitive sports and how we might work together and work with, um, I suppose, other sports. You know, for us, we were chatting um, in Sport Canada about ringette and some of the challenges that we face are very um, similar to challenges that, that will be faced by ringette in Canada. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. We learned a lot and I suppose we planted some seeds there as well about some uh, cross-Atlantic uh, partnership working between between ourselves and, and our colleagues and absolutely Kerry and Angela and the whole team in um, Canada GA uh, have followed that up and have been keeping in touch with people as well so I'm hoping that we'll see fruit from that uh, over the next couple of years. I suppose not to not to put too much pressure on you but how do you see the sport been developed here and and Camogie internationally you know how, how, how what can you be what can be done? Yeah I mean I suppose it's it's the same for, for any sport. The first thing you need is eyes on the game. You need people to see what the sport is, see people performing at the highest level, and then get opportunities to try it for themselves. So some of the things we talked about um, in Sport Canada, and definitely we, we chatted a little bit further with Angela and Kerry, was around getting Camogie recognised to be played in schools as a safe sport in Canada and if you can get into schools and you can get people playing at a young age they have the skills if they're already playing um you know team sport and maybe they're you know playing tennis or hockey or ice hockey or ringette they'll have some coordination skills already so it's just another step to, to introduce the sport of Kamugi to them. The, the next piece that's really important is having good quality coaches and having as many of them as possible and having people who, who get involved in coaching develop their skills. So move up through the coaching criteria and standards so that as the players get better, they have more challenges from their coaches as well. And, and you know, we, we bring the standards up all the way along. Um, then obviously it's getting into more cities and towns across Canada where you can grow the competitive side of things. And while, um, you know, it's great to have the social side, bottom line is when people are playing Camogie, they're very competitive when they're on the pitch. And it's, it's nice to play more teams and have more challenges. And certainly in, in a country, the scale of Canada, um, you, you do need to have. Uh, it'd be ideal to have a couple of teams in each of in each of the provinces, and and um, just again bring up that standard. So your all Canada competitions will be, you know, taking place over a weekend, and um, 
uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah, uh, maybe even competing and com- coming back uh, to have games here in Ireland. I mean, the World Games last year was a, a great opportunity for for Canada and for all of our international units to come back and demonstrate the the skills that they. How was have. the stand? How was the standard so there, Sinead? We were homegrown. Sorry. Oh, listen, it was it was it was really good. It's it's come on so much. Um, what was what was fascinating to see was the teams who are homegrown teams and the standard of those teams. So you, you kind of ex- expect a certain standard from your your expat teams or, you know, where people are living internationally and, and coming back to play. But the standard of the, the teams who were all made up of people who were native born in Canada was fantastic to see. And it's just going to keep going up and up, um, you know, the, the kind of of street leagues that we saw in um, Montreal, uh, that idea where people are playing co-ed camogie and you know growing that into into a full full on all, all female camogie um, sport. You know there there is um, just challenges and and when people play in that environment, their standard improves all the time. So um, yeah, more more people seeing it, more people playing it, getting it into schools and keeping it social as well. And, you know, keeping improving the standards of referees and coaching. And that was so important for us last year to bring over, like Niall Williams traveled um, to Canada for Community Development Week and he delivered all of his coaching courses and he is fantastic. He's absolutely brilliant. So if we're able to, to keep building on the standard of coaching, that will make it more attractive for more people. So, Getting so, recognized by Sport Canada would be good too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, you know, I suppose, uh, obviously, Ireland with, with immigration, you know, we suffer it and then GAA suffers with it. Do you, do you see your association suffering with that? And I suppose in some respects it might work because if the more that go who've played your sport and then maybe get into the coaching side and, and grow it, they could benefit you. But do you see a loss of players through immigration? We we do, um, but what I'm seeing, even just from my own club, um, a lot of the people who have gone to Canada have gone for a short period of time, maybe five years, and they're starting to come back when they're having families and stuff like that. That produces a real challenge in, in Canadian camogie because you have a fantastic team with lots of people for a couple of years, but if they're anyway transient, um, it can be really challenging to maintain the club environment, and that's why it's so important to get the, the young people in. Um for, for us, I mean, I think the next the next 18 months are going to see our players playing here. And that's, uh, it'll be wonderful to see. It makes it really competitive for people on the pitch. Uh, you know, when when there might have been some people heading off to, to Canada or to the US or to Australia. Um, now everybody's staying home and they're all going to want to play sport and, and keep active for the summer. So, uh, yeah, I think that'll that'll drive up the, the standard here as well. I mean, I think the, the big challenge is bringing people back to sport, bringing people back yeah. to camogie. If they've tried dropped out for any reason whether that's you know transition from primary school to secondary secondary to third level or when they go out into the workforce or have families like we really want those people back playing camogie and it's how do you build their confidence how do you make it attractive and convenient to play so um you know that it, it's I know myself there was uh you know as, as I advanced through my I suppose my work career to maintain training three nights a week plus gym plus games at the weekend um was really challenging and what I was you know what I did at one stage was I 
I went to a junior team and you know where, where we trained once a week and played a game and it was a little bit more relaxed and a bit more social and a little bit less competitive so I could I could fit it in um, and that, that's we need to think a little bit more than that so we have some good initiatives coming up on that over the next over the next year or so. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of young people, Sinead, we just had a text in from uh, a young lady, Emma Donnelly, in the East End of Toronto, and uh, she's listening into your in- interview. And she's a great athlete. We know that um, about Emma, but she wants to know why is it called camogie instead of hurling? <laughs> that's that's a good one. Um... It has. It has been camogie. I suppose we're around quite a long time. We're around since uh, nineteen oh three, nineteen oh four. I think was our first All Ireland, and it has always been camogie. And I, I suppose the history of sport at that time would have been quite. Um, you know, the, the, the so, if you're looking at the sociology of it, it was quite separatist. Um, we weren't allowed to join. Um, to join the GA at that time, so we set up a game of our own, as the book is called, and. Camogie um, is is uh, yeah that's that's the tradition. There's lots of arguments. People there's websites and and uh, media channels that wanted to be called women's hurling, but um, it it makes us distinctive, I think, and that's why people want to stay. Sinead, I um I I grew up in a in a predominantly hurling uh, town. Uh, we would have had a senior club. Uh, minor team um, but we actually never had a camogie team and uh, I, I, I never I never gave it much thought as to why we didn't have a, a camogie team um, and I'm sure uh, it, you know our club wouldn't have been alone uh, from that perspective but um, kind of thinking back to those days and, and whether in fact it's still prevalent is um, was there a, a prevailing um, I suppose, um, perception of camogie that, that would have been, you know, I suppose deterring parents from getting their, uh, getting their kids into, into camogie. Uh, was there a perception that perhaps, you know, at, at, at a certain uh, stage, it might have been, for example, too dangerous to, to be played? Or, or are any of those limitations or challenges still out there that would give cause for, for, a, for a parent to say, that, that's not the sports path I want to send my daughter down. Do you battle any of that or is that just, um, uh, or, or do you think that that's been well-educated and that should, that should not be a, a deterrent in any way? Um, I, I think we always have uh, a role in educating people about it. Would it have been in the past and is it still a challenge? Yes, I think it is. I mean, I think if you, if you see people walking down the road with sticks in their hand, um, it's going to be a concern and I suppose a bit like parents thinking about rugby and you know if you watch the Six Nations you don't want your five-year-old going in and, and going in for the kinds of tackles that we see our Six Nations people doing in rugby um, similarly in Camogie um, you know the game that you see on the All-Ireland Senior Final and the challenges and the level of physicality and the, the speed and skill of the game that builds up over time so when somebody's coming in to a nursery and they're coming in getting coaching at age six, seven, eight the um, you know the safety measures are there and the protections for people and I suppose it's about learning learning the skills. Um, it is 
it's about educating people. I think things have also changed a lot in terms of how we cater for health and safety. So, you know, compulsory helmets, um, gum shields, all those kind of things that have been introduced as compulsory measures over the years have helped. Now, they can also be a challenge for parents. I mean, if you want to kit out your your youngster for camogie, you're looking at a helmet. You might look at having... Um, the, so you've the gum shield, you've got your hurling slitter, you might look at shin pads, all those kind of things. So it gets to be a little bit more expensive than some of our, you know, some of our other um, colleagues in, in Gaelic games or other sports. So that's a, that's a challenge too. But I think like boxing, if we have some high visibility um, role models who can demonstrate that you can play competitive sport at the level of our intercounty players and you can come off the pitch uh, energized and invigorated and exhausted but not with you know <laughs> hospitalized uh, type injuries I think the more that people see that you know people aren't getting getting injured and they're not getting too many cuts over the eyes or on the head the way they used to be um they'll be a little bit more encouraged but it is up you know up to us as an association to make sure that parents get the right education and see how much how much emphasis we put on health and safety when we're when we're coaching our young people and coaching all of our players. Sinead, uh, I think the the National Development Plan 2020-2023 has just been published. Can you can you share any highlights with us on that? Absolutely. So yeah, we were delighted to to launch our, our National Development Plan. Um the challenge of COVID-19, we were due to launch it at our Congress on the 3rd and 4th of April, which had to be cancelled as a result. And we'd put a huge amount of work into the preparation of the plan. We did a roadshow around the country and um, sought feedback from individuals. And we also had a massive survey where we had huge responses to it. So over 1,800 people fed into the development of our, our national development plan this year. Um, I suppose the feedback was that people wanted to feel connected to it. They wanted to feel that the National Development Plan was something for our members, not just uh, sort of a highfalutin plan that, that only applies to Crow Park, um, as, the, as the saying goes. So the, the big focus on it was making the plan this year something that any member anywhere in the world can pick up and say, OK, I know how I can contribute to that plan to all of the elements in the plan. It's four key streams in it. Um, and there were words that came up over and over again in the research we did. Passion for the game, the importance of the people who are involved, the pride in having Komogi as a unique sport, um, and the place that we serve, I suppose, in sport in general, but also as a leader in terms of our good governance, how we operate, how we manage and how we grow our sport. So it's a very ambitious plan in terms of the, the breadth and the, the activities that we're, we're rolling out. And the other part of it is we're, the measurement um, and the statistics that we're going to be gathering as we go through the next couple of years. And I think that's the really important part. So not only are we focusing on how many people are participating in, in initiatives or are becoming referees or becoming coaches but we're really focusing on how long they're staying in the game are they developing if I train you know 100 people as coaches in Canada this year how many of them are coaching on a weekly basis how many of them are connected to clubs how many of them progress through and do additional coaching courses or additional workshops with us how many come back and do the next level and how long are they staying and it's really that more sustainable approach to 
the development of the game is, is what we're focusing on. So it really is um, putting all of the building blocks, getting all the statistics and making sure that Camogie is here to stay. And I suppose that the, the message that we have within it is reaching your goals and exceeding your expectations. And that's, you know, it, it really is the message like set goals, reach them, but set goals that are ambitious and don't be afraid to be brave and be bold. And, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're an innovative sport. We're an innovative organization. We've got a hugely creative team of staff who have, who have met more individuals over the last six months due to the online training scenarios than they could have possibly had the opportunity to do in person. And we've got a board who are committed to delivering on this strategy. So that's the really important part. Um, but yeah, I just call out to, to everybody in, in the Camogie community, the Gaelic Games community, and anyone who's interested in sport to have a read, give us some feedback if there's anything you think we can do, if there's any ideas you have for creative initiatives or partnership initiatives. Like a lot of the, the chats we had in Canada were about partnerships with universities and trying to grow through Celtic studies or Irish studies programs trying to grow camogie in the university sector as well and so that's where my background is so um those kind of things those kind of initiatives and ideas and really it's about finding good partners good people who want to progress the game and are willing to work with us and you know we'll put the we'll put the right plans in place and the right backing behind it and make sure it all happens Brilliant. Fantastic approach there, Sinead. Well done and congratulations to you and, and your board. Um, you're following the, the current GEA protocols for back to play, right? And, and the 14th of September sees your inter-county training starting up. And then the championships are 17th, 18th of October. They start up and right through to the final on the 12th of December. So you'll need the, the woolies on for sure for the final, I'm sure. Absolutely, the thermals are booked in and about three coats on, so uh, it'll be it'll be a very different thing than September. Um, it should have been this weekend, our All Ireland. So um, I had pop ups on my Facebook memories from last year of being in Croke Park on the the Friday and seeing all the flags going up and and all the preparations. So it's kind of unusual at this time of the year not to be um, in and out of Crow Park every every other weekend. But um, yeah, the return to play protocols have, have been really helpful. Um, I mean, no more, no more than anybody else, we've been surprised on occasion by uh, some of the changes that happened or the speed at which they were announced and implemented. But um, you know, you just have to you just have to roll with the punches when when that comes. I think that the Gaelic Games family took a very pragmatic but also cautious approach to coming back. Having said that, we were among the first sports back and the first field sports back. We put a huge amount of effort into preparing plans, educating our volunteers and supporting them to get training back up and running and get games up and running. And around the country this weekend, we have county finals, county quarterfinals, semifinals taking place. So um, it, it's fantastic to see and there hasn't been too much disruption even though we still have some quite high numbers of cases in different places and there hasn't been too much disruption the key really now is is keeping that going and keeping that momentum of you know the personal attention to detail and safety so you know with the hand washing and physical distancing all, all those things have to continue um, our schools went back so the majority of schools are back now since last week and that was a big governmental priority and um, now that that's done, it's uh, we're we're back focusing certainly on on the the intercounty all Ireland program and and getting that 
getting that up and running. It's going to be challenging. I mean, that's, you know, there, there's no doubt that there will be challenges along the way. Um, we're praying for good weather because earlier this year we had four weekends of weather warnings just before COVID hit. So we ended up cancelling a lot of camogie games, unfortunately. Um, you know, we're, we're really hopeful that um, weather won't, won't won't um, cause any delays to matches but um yeah it's, it's a massive thank you to all of our volunteers for their commitment and, and their work um and they're you know sticking to the plan even when the plan changed and I know that's frustrating for everyone so I really do need to say a big thank you to, to everybody for that to all of our all of our volunteers and all of our players and keep up the great work and a big call out you know if 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 we can get as many people as we can into Crow Park on the 12th of December you know that would be wonderful if it's a thing that we can't if I really want to call out to the Gaelic Games family and the Irish family internationally and anyone who wants to be Irish, has a little bit of Irish blood in them or uh, just likes the thought of it to watch our Camogie All-Ireland on the 12th of December because it, it, it's probably, you know, it's a, it's a unique year and the, the television coverage is going to be really important this year as well, um, more so probably than any other because I don't, you know, the... the the word, the word from government at the minute isn't encouraging necessarily for large numbers in attendance in in person. Yeah, it's certainly uh, it's going to be a, a tricky period. But uh, Sinead, we wish you the uh, the very best, and and certainly appreciate your time coming on here today, sharing your your thoughts on the sport. We look forward to seeing it grow here, and and hopefully we've done a little bit here to to introduce people or or get people on board for you. Um, and uh, let's stay in touch, and maybe have you back on again to uh, to discuss it in the future. Absolutely. Thanks so much for, for the opportunity. Thanks, um, Ken and Mark. And also thanks to everybody in Canada GA. And uh, I hope everyone stays well and, and stays safe over the next, over the coming months. Thanks, Sinead. I'll talk to you soon. Take care of yourself. Right. Thanks. Stay safe. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.
wild Atlantic wave That salt sea air will keep your mind and body sober
Yes, indeed, the pride of Maharafelt County Derry. It is Brendan Quinn, and we're delighted to have Brendan on the line. Good morning or good afternoon to you, Brendan. How are things? Good afternoon or good morning to you, Ken. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. All the better for hearing your beautiful music there. We played a couple of tracks. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, a great one there. I, I'm sure Mark has whispered that to his, uh, to his new wife, Lorraine, a few times. You know, don't close your eyes. I'm holding you tight here. <laughs> I have a lot that's, to thank you for, Brendan, that's for sure, yeah. That's an old one. Uh, I recorded that way back in the 80s. Are you, um, are you in Donegal these days, Brendan? Yes, I'm up here in, in uh, Ballyhearnan. Nice part of the world. It is. It's, we're right on the coast here, the Atlantic coast. It's, it's nice. It's quiet, but it's the way I like it. Ah, good stuff. Well, uh, Brendan, you got a you got a very early start in the music business, didn't you? You were in the the Malachy Doris Cayley band at the age of fifteen. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, I, was, I was playing guitar since about thirteen or so when I got my first professional job with Malachy at a wee dance, a wee Christmas dance in a, a local factory Christmas party, and uh, I had a wee blue suit on me and a wee red guitar. And I thought I was the bee's knees. <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, uh, did, so it's a, long, it's a long time ago. It is. Did, did music come naturally to you, Brendan? Or are we it, taught it? it, or? it, it yeah, it did. Uh, my sister was a big influence of an elder sister called Philomena. who was a great singer in her day. And uh, I got all my influences from her. I used to follow her around the house. She used to be singing all the songs of the day, and I would be copying her, and that's how I got started. <laughs> Brilliant! And yet you, you had a you covered a lot of songs in the early days. You, you had a great Christopherson, uh, "Help Me Make It Through the Night." I think you had a yeah, number one hit first, with that. I, that was the first kind of major recording I made way back in '69, and uh, then after that, I got a song called "It's Four in the Morning," which was a a hit in the states there for far and young, but I got a I got a number one over here on it, and that more or less that was seventy nineteen seventy two. You uh, got me started off in the game, you know. Brilliant, and you you met him, didn't you? Was it in Nashville you met Farron Young, and he had a few comments I met for Farron you. Farron was a friend of mine, a local DJ here called Big T, and we were both in Nashville for I think for the country music convention. Uh, one year, and we met foreign outside of George Jones's club. He called it the Possum Holler, a very famous place in Printer's Alley. And uh, he was very drunk. <laughs> 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 and he berated me for stealing his song. I go away. Oh, yeah. 
I was just a, more or less in jest, Ken, you know. Right, right, right. Well, fair play to you. I hope he had a number one with it as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a huge hit in America. I just stole it from him over here. Ah, <laughs> oh, fabulous. And, uh, as you do, you know. <laughs> oh, as you do is right. As you do is right. Did you take over from Gene Stewart in the in the Mighty Avons, did you? I did. I spent a year with that band, although it was the Mighty Avons in name only, Ken. All the members had left. Whatever was left in the band, Gene Stewart took them for his new band. So Jimmy Smith, who was the band leader, um, he owned the name of the band, and he put a new band around me as lead singer. It was a great band, but I only last, lasted about 12 months, and I had this always, always had the inkling of starting my own band. Right. And that's basically what I did. I, I spent a year with the Avons, and then I decided I would start up on my own. People told me I was crazy, but there you go. <laughs> you did it, and you're 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 delighted that you did. Obviously, um, oh yeah. I mean, it was something I always. I wanted my own band. I wanted my own lineup. Uh, the band that I was in at the time, you know, I didn't have the proper lineup. I wanted a piano player, and I wanted a fiddle player, and all of that, you know. I wanted to be a country band. Right. Uh, well, I eventually I got what I wanted. Uh, you know, after a few years, I got the, the Bluebirds straightened out and they were a big band for almost 10 years here. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then in the early 80s, I, I went off and lived in Canada for four years. You did, yeah. Was it out in Vancouver, I think you were, was it? I went to Vancouver. I got a gig out there in a place called the Blarney Stone. Oh, I've been in that place. Yeah, right in the middle of Vancouver in Gastown. That's right, yes. Great, great, great city, great city. I loved it there. I'd I'd have a story about... I'd have a story about that bar, but I couldn't tell it on air. I'll have to tell you sometime when I see you over a pint. (laughs) I have a few stories myself, but... That I couldn't, I couldn't repeat. <laughs> <laughs> but you liked Canada, you did, did you? But I loved Canada. The only problem I had, Ken, was that the, the the country was very large, very big, and I was on the road an awful lot. In fact, far too much. I was away from home far too much, more so than I would have been if I had been living in Ireland. You know, I might have been away a couple of three nights or maybe a week here in Ireland, but over in Canada, I was gone for months at a time. It was very disheartening and very lonesome. And I just decided after about four years that we would come back to Ireland and try and reignite my career here again. And right. It's a big move, but yeah, we, we, we never regretted it. Yeah. And the kids... I have four kids, and they were all young at that time. They they loved it. They made great friends. In fact, my daughter, who's now almost 50 years of age, has two friends that she's still in contact with mm-hmm. that she met as a kid in Vancouver. Wow. Ah, that's incredible. Yeah. So, Brendan, have you... Um, we've had a couple of artists on over the last uh, six to eight weeks on the show. And, yeah, uh, I heard Sean Kane on one day there. Yeah, Sean was on, and he was he was very good. And I suppose we're asking them all the same question is, you know, interesting times that we live in at the moment. Yeah. Have you, um, 
what what have you uh, has has it uh, kind of uh, has have you got the, had you got the the creative juices going there? Did you did you create? Uh, did it did it stimulate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've, been, I've been scribbling. I've been scribbling away since the lockdown. Yeah. I haven't worked since the the twenty third of February. It's the last gig I did, uh, and I had a whole load of gigs for the summer. I had a I had a 16-day tour in May and I had festivals and stuff over the summertime and the whole thing just just collapsed on us. It's a disaster. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, scribbling away, I've wrote a few songs and, and in fact, I have recorded just about a week or 10 days ago four new songs and I'm going to put out an album for Christmas and a new single Hopefully next week is almost ready now. Super. So uh, I think I sent you. I might have sent you a link, to, or I might have sent you, a, sent you an MP3 of the yeah. of the single. You did indeed. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play it here today. It'll be the yeah. It's called "Will You Will We Ever Be Free?" It's a song about the COVID. <laughs> oh, well, loosely loosely based on that, you know. Yeah, fair play. We'll give it its uh, we'll give it its first Canadian airing for sure. Um, here, yeah, it's really strange times here. Uh, we're lucky uh, in that we're in a very remote part of the world. We don't run into too many people. We don't have any social distancing problems. Right. <laughs> uh, on the big beach, about five minutes walk from me here, and I I walk it every day. So you know, you get good exercise and you eat well, but no gigs, no music, can't get out and play, and that's what's killing me. Yeah, I'd say it's, you know, it's certainly the, the theme that runs through it with any of the musicians and singers and songwriters yeah. that we've talked it's to. It's a really, really strange time. I mean, there's not a musician in Ireland today working. Nobody. Isn't that incredible? I see... Um, closed, dance halls closed, wet pubs closed. It's just a disaster. Is yeah, it's very very hard, and, and how how can very you make a living? A, a you know? young, there's a lot of young up and coming artists in this country, and I fear for them, you know, because been off for about six months. They'll probably be off for about a year before they get back, and uh, there may not be any venues left. And you know what I mean? It's, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Indeed, I'll take you. I'll take you back a little bit, uh, Brendan. There's a yeah. there's a line in one of your songs that tells a story, and and it goes like this: It happened at Larn. Let me tell you the yarn. We were busted <laughs> at Larn. What's the crack there who, with that now? Who told you that? <laughs> who told you that? <laughs> give us give us the skinny on that story now. <laughs> Well, it's a long time ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were in London for a tour. I think it's about 1987, and we'd got um, a little bit of attitude enhancement. Let's put it like that. <laughs> a little, a little Willie Nelson. <laughs> a little Willie Nelson. A bit of, uh, they dreaded weed, and uh, some guy. I think the guy that. We actually got it off, shopped us. By the time we got up the motorway, up the length of Britain, as far as the ferry, which is in Scotland, a place called Stranraer, it's been a nine-hour drive from London. And uh, when we arrived there, 
I just this is a whole different scene. There's a police police vans and soldiers, and you'd have thought it was World War Three. But we were all re- we were all arrested and uh, taken to a police station, and uh, we were let out. Most of the boys were let out, but I was kept overnight uh, because I was the ringleader. And uh, well, I was just I got a huge fine and. Then one of the guys in the band, we met up about three or four weeks after. I lost all my gigs. Like I lost, nearly lost, almost lost my career. I mean, Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't work for four or five months. I lost all the gigs that I had. I'd made all the papers. Irish Independent, Belfast Telegraph, RTE. I was to go out and do an interview on the Monday morning, and that was cancelled, and my whole world just fell apart, really. My goodness. And now um, it, nowadays, nothing had happened to you? Nowadays, you'd be probably patted on the back for it. Aye, aye. But one of the guys <laughs> started this song, and that was, the, you've, got, you've got the first few lines of it all. <laughs> and it was to the tune of Ray Charles was busted. Oh, that larn, let me tell you, the yarn we were busted, and so on and so forth. <laughs> now you write some of your own stuff, but you've you've covered uh you've covered guys as well, and uh, and another good pal of the show, Johnny Broderick. Uh, we had Johnny on there a while ago. Oh, Johnny's a great a, a great man altogether, uh, gentle soul, uh, just loves life. And up every morning, writing away, and sends me stuff almost every day. He just, he just puts out rings and rings of it, man. I was, I was going to ask you about that process. You know, is it something that for for you? I mean, in particular, like, do, does someone like Johnny just approach you, or are you out looking for a song? Because I know you've covered John Prine too. Yeah, I would, I would always be looking for songs, and the way that I met Johnny was that. Uh, myself and Sean were both on the same radio program one night at a local station called Highland Radio in Letterkenny and we were both on the same show he was on at 9 o'clock and I was on at 10 and of course Johnny was listening to Sean and he heard me and as I was driving home from the show uh, I got a phone call from Johnny to say that I had this song and would I be interested in recording it? And that's how I met Johnny Broderick. There's a song called Take It Slow that he'd written with his brother. And I took it and uh, done a wee arrangement on it and Johnny liked it. And there it is. It's, uh, and then I recorded another one of his songs called Growing Old. And I'm going to put both of those songs on this new album that I'm bringing out for Christmas. Well, isn't it funny now? And it's certainly not a setup here, but I have Take It Slow is, is lined up to play uh, here. Why are you joking me? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Song. That's a fabulous song, yeah. And we, um, before we, we had you on there, we were playing a couple of your tracks. We played yes. Ticking Over from, from one of your last albums there. Yes, and yes, yes, yes. I, I want to give a shout out to uh, Geraldine Foley, who's uh, who's listening down in Boston there, and she just loves that song. And and we played right. it. Hello, Geraldine. I hope you're well, darling. What's uh, what's the story on on taking over? Give us the the background to that one. The background, uh, yeah. Well, I wrote that 
I turned 70 a few years ago. And uh, you know the way 70 is a big, big number. Like I said, you know, the Bible says three score and 10. After that, you're in Borotain. So all this <laughs> stuff began to, you know, weigh on my mind. And I, I just was walking one day and I just, I just stopped dead. I thought, Christ, I'm on this earth 70 years. And, you know, you begin to think about mortality and all of that. And that's how that song came about. Just uh, by the time I got home, I had the first, the first few lines in my head and I, I finished it in a very short period of time. And that's just sometimes they just the song just comes to you. Is that right, Brendan? That's what happened. That song it just came to me. And uh, if you if you listen to the first line of it, it, it just says, "I took a long walk today." Yeah, like I do most every day, and that's actually what that's what I do. I walk almost every day here because there's not much else to do, Ken. Right, of course. Gigs to go to. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So true. And that's the, that's the story of taking over. And you kind of you at one time there in the nineties, you kind of semi-retired uh, from. Did you just get tired of the business, well, Brendan? I, or? I, I, I retired the the band, the Bluebirds. Right. Okay. Of which we went round the country playing dances, and I just got fed up doing that, and I just said, "Right, I'm going to slow down here." get off the road and do whatever gigs I wanted to do, maybe smaller gigs with maybe not a band at all, maybe just another player. I got fed up with the road just. Right. That's a hard life. Yeah, yeah. Hard life indeed. Yeah. And come here, you you did that. I would never, ever retire. Right. No, good, good. Well, the fans will be delighted to hear that, Brendan. (laughs) Come here, you did a... You did a project there called, I, I love the name, by the way, The Kicking Mule with Artie McGlynn. And we've played. Yeah, that was, uh, God rest Artie. Uh, yeah, missed for Artie sure. Artie and we were doing a, a recording session in this county, actually, in, in Remelton one time. It must be 30 years ago now. And Artie was playing a lot of electric guitar on the session. And... Uh, he said to me after the session, he says, Christ, he says, I haven't played electric guitar in years. And he was just, you know, because he was playing a lot of trad. Yes. He was uh, using his acoustic. He had got very little chance to use the electric. He said, I'd love to play more electric guitar. We should start a wee band, Brandon. And that's what happened. Ah, oh, really? Got together at a local pub in Oma, Artie's hometown. Yeah. And uh, in fact, the guy that owned the pub, he's... He's deceased now, John McGear. John called up. He called me up one day. He said, Brendan, what are you going to call this band? RDS, you booked in here for next Monday. What are you going to call the band? I said, I have no idea. You may call McGlynn. So he called Artie, and Artie says, call it the kicking wheel. <laughs> Apparently that's a, a cocktail. Is that right? Uh, oh, I wouldn't yeah. know anything about that now. <laughs> I believe you. No, I think it's a, I think it's a cocktail, like a martini. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bloody Mary. There's, there's definitely is. a Moscow mule, uh, Brendan. I'm sure you've had a few of them in your day. But well, actually, I haven't is. because I'm a teetotal. Oh, but the hokey. Be a hokey, and I. Uh, it's not that I was a, a victim of it or anything. I just never started to drink. Oh, good man. Oh, fair play to you. I was a young. 
when I was a young boy, we were a very big family. There was 14 of us, seven boys and seven girls. And when we were all young, we were all put under the pioneers by my mother. Right. And uh, some of us broke our pledges and some of us didn't. I was one of the ones that didn't break my pledge. For some reason, I never started it. You're a, you're a better man than, than myself and Mark, so, because we were oh, all... Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, what, you, what you never had, you never miss, you know? Ah, sure, I know. And, you know, it's funny, you know, that you bring up the Pioneers. It's, it's a strange one when you try and explain that to Canadians, you know, that you'd be signing a contract with, with the man himself, you know, not yes. to be having a drink. It's, it's, a, it's a bizarre <laughs> thing, isn't it? It's a strange concept, all right. <laughs> Especially for an Irish man. Oh, indeed, yeah. I got that more times than enough, you know. I bet. Uh, have a drink, Rev. No, I don't drink. You don't, you don't drink? <laughs> Goodness sake, what are you going to have? It's hard to explain to people that you don't drink, you know. It is, it is. Come here, have you a bit of time? Will we play your new song and we'll I'll come back and have a chat with you, or are you good? Oh, I'm good, Rev. You, you take as long as you like, Ken. I'm, my dinner's ready, but my wife's holding it here for me. You're a good man. She's keeping it warm. You walk away there. Let's play your new song. When will okay, we be free? Song. Hold on. Stuck here in lockdown. My whole world is upside down. I can't even drive my car to town. Tell me I'm too old I gotta stay home cocoon. Can't have no one come to call But I can nap in the afternoon Came out of nowhere Hit the world so fast Nobody knows If it's ever gonna pass Conspiracy And the powers that be Hey, makes you wonder Will we ever be free? And the 
powers that be Hey, makes you wonder There you have it, folks. That's the, uh, is that the global uh, airing of that song now, Brendan? When will we be free? Oh, on any radio station. There you go. You heard it here, folks. Keolog is cracked. That's the place to be on a Saturday, listening to a bit of Brendan Quinn from up there in beautiful Donegal, sitting around, waiting on the dinner. Come here. What's, what's on the menu tonight? Uh, sausages, bacon, uh, oh. cabbage, good cabbage, and uh, a big pot of flurry spuds. Oh. oh, you're making me jealous. And butter, plenty of good, plenty of country butter. Oh, <laughs> you couldn't bait it. <laughs> and the good news making is you guys, I'm making you guys hungry. Oh, you, you definitely are. are. And the good news is you can go out and you can walk it off on that beautiful beach out the back there. So uh, Well, this is it, yeah. I wasn't out today, and I was out yesterday. Yeah. I had a bit of work to do around the house today. My wife gave me a few orders this morning. Get the strimmer out and clean that garden up. <laughs> hey, hey, Brendan, who are, you, who are you kind of following these days on the music scene? Who Who really catches your eye, either, either an up-and-comer or somebody who's been around a while and has kind of suddenly got your attention. Like, who, who are you following or, or do you, I or do you really, even follow anyone else and keep your head down and do your own thing? Yeah, I don't really follow anybody. I have favourites. Like, I, I love Haggard and I love Willie Nelson. I love yeah. Waylon Jennings. I listen to any of those guys. But it's, it's this newer stuff, I wouldn't go near it. It's not, it's, um, it's not my, game, my kind of music at all. I'm, I'm old school. yeah. What, I would love John Prine. I love I love singer songwriters like John Prine and uh, Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt, Jesse Winchester, people like that. Did you ever? Uh, John John Prine uh, is a favorite of mine, um, Brendan, and and I know you've covered his songs. Did you ever get to meet him or play the same venue as him, him? I met him about three years ago for about fifteen minutes in a wee pub. In Kinvara, County Galway. Oh, it was yeah. a Sunday afternoon, about four years ago, and myself and my mate were waiting on this session to start. There's a session every, used to be a session every Sunday. It's called Connolly's Pub in Kinvara, and they have a huge session every Sunday. And we're waiting on the session to start. The place was packed, and I was up at the bar getting a drink for my mate. And I just had the pint in my hand. I turned around, and there was John Prime standing behind me. Wow. With a pair of very dirty shorts on him. <laughs> Honest to God, he just looked like, I said, Christ, you've no idea how big this is for me. Yeah, he said, oh, yeah. I said, yeah, I'm a huge fan, man. It's a real pleasure to meet you. Oh, he said, he smiled away, and I bought him a pint of Guinness. 
And he asked me, he says, are you going to come down to the session? You staying for the session? I says, I am. What about yourself, John? I don't know, he said. Well, I was going home. But he, I, don't think, I don't think he hung around for the session. Right. But he's, he's got a... He, he, of course, he's deceased now, but he had a, he had a house there in Kinvara. That's right. He bought a house in Kinvara and a, a friend of mine called Paul Mulligan, good friend of mine. Paul kind of looks after the place for him, you know? Right. Well, he's not there. Paul's a guitar player himself and a sound engineer. We do a lot of work for John, you know. Um, maybe opening up for him if he's doing a few gigs in Ireland or maybe supplying the PA or whatever, you know. Right, right. But um, and when, and when John passed there in March uh, or April, um, um, uh, I forget his name now. Paul, 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 Paul was devastated. He really was just knocked out, totally knocked out. He, he says, I just couldn't believe it. He was, you know, he, he, he caught the virus. That's what happened to John. Yeah, yeah, in the end. Yeah. Yeah, he caught the virus. They both, him and his wife both caught it. She survived and she got better, but he didn't. Yeah, he had, a, he had a few old ailments himself anyway, didn't he? Yeah, he had, yes, he uh, yeah. was a, he was underlying conditions, and uh, very sad, very very sad. Because mm. from what Paul was telling me, he he had the guts of another album written. Really, he had indeed. Yeah, and that song, that song that uh, he sang, maybe you heard him singing that slow song called "I Remember Everything." Yes, yeah. It's the last song that John wrote, and he sang it in the sitting room. I think the son recorded it. That's right. And a very poignant moment. Oh, indeed, absolutely, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So we've lost, we've lost a master on John Prine, a real yeah. master songwriter. We do, we did, we did. Well, listen, we uh, we better not get you in too much trouble now. With, uh, uh, listen, guys, with the lady it's a in the kitchen, and thank you very much for getting in touch. We uh, we're delighted to have you on, Brendan. Thanks a million for taking so much time with us, and uh, no problem at all. And uh, the best wishes to all your listeners, and uh, I hope you go from strength to strength. Thanks Same so much, Brendan. Brendan. Stay, let's Same stay in touch. We'll play uh, Johnny Broderick's "Take It Slow" here now for you. Good man, that's great. Take her easy. All the best. Take her easy, boys. Thank you. Bye. Good Bye. luck. Bye-bye. Take it slow, take it slow. Give it a chance, let it grow. This love, this love. Take it when I was younger, I rushed in Broke the heart that was welcoming Knew so much, but knew so little This fledging love, so fragile and brittle Learned the hard way, how deep that wound Still can face the heart I rule, but I learned 
And now I know When love comes calling Take it slow Take it slow Take it slow Give it a chance To let it grow This love This love Take it slow Think of Irish tradition, what comes to mind? Live music, great hospitality, and a pub atmosphere of laughter and song imported from the Emerald Isle itself. And one of Ireland's greatest imports is the Keene family, serving up the finest fare and crack this side of County Galway since 1991 at the Galway Arms. The family-owned pub has been charming patrons since, well, last century, and as a result attracts some of the GTA's greatest Irish characters. Known far and wide for its chef-designed menu and traditional Irish music, it's also Toronto's home of Gaelic games live from Ireland on the big screens. You can like them on Facebook, and you're sure to like them in person. Visit thegalwayarms.ca to view daily specials. The Galway Arms, your home away from home, and not too far from home, at 838 The Queen's way in Etobicoke. Call 416-251-0096. Make a date and make it for the Galway Arms. Need a more flavorful lager for your next gathering? Try a Guinness Hop House 13. 100% Irish grown malted barley meets our famous Guinness yeast for a medium bodied taste and a lingering finish. All the way from the legendary St. James Gate Brewery in Dublin. Find it straight from the keg at select pubs or in 500ml cans Canada-wide. Just look for the white can. Guinness Hop House 13. More hops, 
more taste, more character. All right, there you go. Well, uh, that was some uh, good interview there now with uh, with Brendan. He's a great man, great character altogether, isn't he, Mark? <clears throat> yeah, very uh, very lively, lively. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he has some great stories. <laughs> oh no doubt. Um, but no, uh, a, a great old character now. That there, that's. Uh, I have to say, he was very entertaining. Very well done. Very well done. Um, so there's not much going on in the community, um, but I did want to talk about uh, Solace House Canada and uh, their new program here called Go the Distance. Of course, they had to miss out on everything with uh, COVID-19. They couldn't do their walk this year. But they are having a big special event, Mark, on the 4th of October, 2020. Solace House Canada is challenging all the teams. So whether you're involved in, it can be anything. It could be your book club, your office group, dog walking team, football team, hurling, camogie, rugby, you name it. You uh, you have, have you have 12 hours from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. to walk or run as many kilometers as you can. That's the 4th of October. Um, and you can uh, you can register your team at CanadaHelps.org. Uh, there's a, an early bird registration of $30 before the 25th of September. It's $50 after that. They are looking for sponsors. There's a whole sponsorship package that you can get, and there's all sorts of things that, that come with that. But uh, make sure that you get in touch with the uh, Solace House team, Diane Flanagan. We'll probably have Diane on the program next week, Mark, to, yeah. uh, to go into all the details. But uh, this sounds like a fun event. Maybe we should uh, we should have an L team in this. We should. Uh, you know, what we need to do that day is is, um, is round up a couple of people and play 36 holes of golf. We'll get our steps in there, I'll tell you that. That's for sure. That sounds like a, that sounds like a plan. October the yeah. 4th, uh, a little chilly, bring the long pants and uh, you'd be grand. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, it's a great idea, great concept. And, um, you know, what a, what a very novel way to bring the, the community together and to, to shine a light on Solace House. So very, very good. And um, yeah, so we'll chat a little bit about that next week. We've got a few weeks. We'll continue to talk about it on the run-up to the October uh, 4th event as well. So brilliant. Great initiative. Good. All right. Well, you've got a bit of moving to do. Um, you've got uh, young Sophia to get down to university. So I'm going to let you kick off here and I'll uh, play a few tracks here to close out the uh the two and a half hours, Mark, I don't know, uh, the hour used to fly by, but my goodness me, this two and a half hour thing now is starting to fly by. Um, it's, uh, where does time go? I, uh, I hear you. Hey, Kenny, uh, you may not know this, but um, I- I'll give a shout out to our listeners. Um, he, gets his, he gets his hour of glory tomorrow morning, but uh, today is a big day for uh, our fellow radio personality, Hugo. Yes. Um, I don't know if Hugo's listening. Maybe he is, but a big happy birthday to Hugo. It's his birthday today, Kenny. Happy oh, good man. Hugo. Hugo, happy birthday. He spends the entire year wishing everybody else a happy birthday. So I, I think he deserves for somebody on a radio show to wish him a happy birthday. So well done, Hugo. Happy birthday, mate. Have a good one. Absolutely. And of course, you can tune in to Hugo tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock. Um, make sure you do that on the uh, the Chin Radio Station there. And uh, he'll be wonder will he play tracks for himself now tomorrow? Uh, probably. Uh, he might actually do an entire Elvis show tomorrow. You never know, right? You never know. You better tune in to check out. Yeah. Very good. Well done on getting that call in there. Uh, you must be following on Facebook or something, are you? Uh, yeah, a few people give me an old poke on that one, but um, absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. Brilliant. 
Okay, well, uh, we'll plough on here with the uh, the music. You're on moving day, so uh, thanks a million for sticking around and 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 doing the program. It's, I always enjoy your company. You know that, and uh, no I might even yet. see you over the weekend. Don't forget to bring me some of them vegetables now. I have a, I have a few in a bag for you downstairs. Don't worry about it. Good man. Hot peppers and everything. Love it. I love it. All right. Okay, we'll, pal. Good luck to you. All right. Thanks, Kenny. All right, pal. All the best. All right, we'll plow on with a bit of music here, a little Las Gaelga. This is called Ihe Gael. This is uh, this was penned by uh, Porrick Jack, and he's an Irish language. Uh, this is sorry, he penned this as an Irish language version of the traditional song "One Starry Night," um, which was collected by a fella called Liam Weldon. Uh, a little bit of, on Porrick. I, I haven't played Porrick on the uh, the program before, but he learned uh, the song from his dad Barry Rohn, who's a, a singer songwriter in his own right. And he also learned it from Sean Tyrrell, who we featured on the program before. Sean is from Clare. Uh, this is a this is a nice, really nice track. And I can tell you that um, Pork has uh, a new album coming out. Pork is from the uh, the Iron Islands, and uh, he you can pre-order his new album, which is called Making Sand, from his website Pork Jack. Dot com, but uh, this is one that he's recorded before. And if you ever want to check out on YouTube the the video to this, it's got some great artwork there by a fellow called Pa Reedy. Uh, the musicians on this song is himself, Porrick Jack, Pat Coyne, and uh, Stephen Doherty. So uh, have a listen to this, and I hope you enjoy it. <laughs>
The daylight lies there on my floor inside of my hungry door. If I can hide away in your darkness, you can curl up in mine. Reach out and close each other's crying eyes. Count to three and let go of time. Cause if there is one thing on which we both agree, I don't like most people, and most people they don't like me. I am the morning, you are the evening, and our love is the afternoon. If you come back soon, we're gonna make it a night. Make it a night. I don't know which came first. Seem like a joke. So if I can get a taste of your wisdom, you can help yourself to all mine. Five little words for your safekeeping. It's how you spend your time. 'Cause if there is one thing on which we're both agreed, I don't like. And most people don't like you or me. I am the morning, you are the evening, and our love is the afternoon. If you come back soon, we're gonna make it a night. Jack and Egale, Porrick is from Arnmore. Uh, sorry, living in uh, Arnmore in Galway there, but from the Iron Islands, and uh, records in uh, Gaelic and English, and has the new album Making Sand coming up, uh, coming out in October. And uh, after that, we played a fellow called Paul Casey. Uh, he's from Derry, and a track called If This Is the Day, and that's from his um, 2019 album called Moving On. I have to tell you, I know I've mentioned about Van Morrison, the Hot Press, Ravon, but probably, in my opinion, one of the best uh, songs on there, check it out, is Paul Casey's version of um, the Van Morrison song. And uh, himself, It's of course, the song is called In the Days Before Rock and Roll. 
And there's a whole slew of lads on this. They've done it very well. Not only the rendition of the song, but uh, just a bit of banter afterwards. Uh, there's a fella on there. I don't know if some of our listeners will be uh, know this lad, but Terry Hooley. Terry was a prominent figure in the Belfast punk scene back in the day and uh, had a record shop called Good Vibrations in Belfast. He was responsible for bands such as The Undertones, Rudy, Protex, and The Outcasts. And some of the musicians on that song by Paul Casey uh, doing the cover of Van Morrison's In The Days Before Rock and Roll were Liam Bradley on drums and percussion. And he uh, played in the Van Morrison band pretty much through the uh, the 90s and 2003, 2008 and 2016. Nicky Scott on bass, who also played in the Van Morrison band through the uh, through the 90s. And I mentioned uh, Damien McGeehan on fiddle, who... Uh, I played uh, a track from earlier, so uh, check out that one. Uh, Ravon in the days before rock and roll, Paul Casey from uh, from Derry there, and uh, hope you enjoy it. And then just finished up there with a song by the band August Wells, and uh, that is Dublin lad Keith Griffin, who lives in New York now, and his band August Wells, and uh, the track there was called No More Operations. That's their brand new single. Uh, that'll be uh, launched just uh, in the next couple of weeks, September the uh, 18th, I believe. And I got a little bit more uh, new music coming uh, to finish out the show. Uh, a fellow that we featured on the program um, a little while ago, Robert Delaney from Dublin, has teamed up with uh, Davlo and Major. And uh, this will be a little bit of a twist for, uh, for our listeners, but uh, we'll get it in and see what you think. And also the new song from Mom. Uh, that's, of course, Lisa Kenny from Mayo and DJ Edmund and their new track called Follow. And I'm going to get this one in now because it was a request by our pal Smitty, who wanted to hear Aslan. And um, I uh, I think I've got the right uh, the right song in here. I'm hoping the, the one that Smitty uh, requested here. So uh, we'll play that one and then close out with the, uh, the last two, um, Mom with Follow and uh, Rise or Fall with Robert uh, Delaney. Thanks for tuning in this week, folks. Look forward to having you back again next week on Mixler.com, Kyologos Crack. And uh, a big shout-out, too, to Thomas and Nina, who are uh, listening in there in Michigan. And uh, I think they, they might even have Gabe and Noah tuned in, uh, sitting out there on their back patio, listening to the tracks today. So uh, a big hello to you from uh, Toronto. That's it, folks. Just enough room for me to slip out the uh, through the gap here. Uh, enjoy the day, and we'll chat to you next week. Slán. Tell it me from 
difficulty rain Smile from the veil Do you think you can tell Did they get you to trade Your hero owns for ghosts Hot ashes for trees And hot air for cool breeze And cold comfort for change
And go along with your ancient ways They're speaking up your mind But it ain't about me Yeah, I was in this for the long haul, baby This was meant to be We could turn it around And leave our hearts at the bay Cause we're due for other trials, baby Mother is a regal. I care not for the scripture, the scriptures, the portraits that portray any pictures. And if the poor stay poor, let the rain fall, let get in a pain poor. Let them come up, put them 
down with the sword. We all believe in heaven, we believe a different Lord. Revolution at its finest. Nowadays, weakness is a kindness. I would lead the dying through the journey of the blindness. We cannot live forever, but our actions can be timeless. Penetrate the slime of the spineless and the mindless. Loyalty is rare, but that loyalty is priceless. And I can make you right. If I'm right, then I'm righteous. Dancing in circles with a fire in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving to that rhythm under burning skies. Either fall or rise. Either fall or rise. This that power to the people. We either rise or fall as equals. Bold enough to fly into the sky like we was eagles. Let it be, let us be like we're the Beatles. Fortifying thoughts to keep us safe within a fortress. My only thought is that you never think or thought less. We walk inside the same shops, but guess who bought less? I mastered every single thought and now I'm faultless. Power to the people for your seekers. I can only teach what they couldn't as a teacher. Blessings come and go, but I wouldn't as a preacher. They could only see us in the form of wicked creatures. Revolution at its finest Nowadays weakness is your kindness I would lead the blind through the blindness Loyalty is rare but that loyalty is priceless And I can make it right If I'm right then I'm righteous Dancing in circles with a fire in my eyes yeah, yeah, yeah. Move to that rhythm under burning what? skies what? Either fall or rise Either fall of humankind and what we've been fighting for oh hard times for the dreamer when your dreams are not your own till they worked you to the marrow and your fingers to the bone oh things are gonna change for the better love no more struggle no more pain we've been too damn long getting sidelined tomorrow we will reign 